0: If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Gets off the Taylor, he's in! Touchdown! I-N-D-Y! Uh, Fires that way, picked off! Darius Leonard at the five-yard line. Plants in the pocket, the Colts bring it down! A sack for Indianapolis. Steps up in the end zone. He throws Michael Pittman. Touchdown. Let's get the podcast started.
1: Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Colts Official Podcast brought to you by our friends at Winbet. I'm Jeffrey Gorman, joined by Maytay, Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, and from Colts.com, senior writer, J.J. Stankiewicz. Boys, I want to go over a little two-week checkup today. We got elephants in the room to talk about. We got Jamie Erdol from the NFL Network who's coming up. We got the Twitter mailbag coming up, J.J. I know you're excited about that coming, but I need to start with you, Maytay, first. Two weeks into this camp, what is the personality of this football team? What has this camp brought out that you like so far
0: as far as competition goes? Well, the last couple of days, it's been all about the defense the defense has really taken advantage at, at times of the offense i mean there's a lot of you know good personnel over on that side of the ball i mean unique ngakwe has beyond flashed stefan gilmore has risen to that maybe he could play at that level of 2019 when, when he was the uh, defensive player of the year i mean just so smooth in control he's comfortable but then you've got guys that are mainstays that are really coming on again. And it's so good to see Julian Blackman, uh, you know, flash. I mean, he is just so communicative uh, on the field and getting players in the back end of the right spot. But, yeah, I, I think obviously the offense, you know, on Sundays we tape this, you know, early in the week. This week on Sunday, you know, some drops, some fumbles, you know, just some miscommunication by the offense there was some of that today Matt Ryan threw his first couple of interceptions in 11 on 11 periods Uh, today you know an overthrow on Ashton Doolin an overthrow from Michael Pittman Jr. that's to be expected we're sort of in the dog days of camp but I think my biggest takeaways from you know this time last week from week 1 to week 2 of camp is just the defense looks pretty formidable and it looks like they had the chance to be a, a top 10 unit, and there, there's really no holes within that unit with Unique and Ngakwe, the pass rush, and then slowing down elite quarterbacks and elite receivers, i.e. enter Stephon Gilmore, and then you've got Brandon in here now. So the defense looks really, really cool. JJ. Sharp.
2: So I, I, I couldn't agree more with Mate. but th- this is what stood out to me with the defense specifically is the effort that they're playing with I asked Gus Bradley how Unique and Gokwe, I mean, it, during practice on Sunday, Unique went and he chased down Naheem Hines 30 yards downfield on a running play. And how y- y- the, the standard here under Matt Eberflus was effort, guys rallying to the ball. And that is now carried over, obviously, to Gus Bradley, but adding Unique to that. And Gus said that they the first thing they talk about in meetings after practice is what was the effort? They grayed out the effort. And he said, when you see a play like Unique chasing down Hines, that means that the effort is pretty good, that the standard has been raised even higher than where it's been in years past. That's showing up out here. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say there might not be any growing pains just in terms of learning the scheme, because it is a new scheme. It is a different way of playing. But when you got defense playing with effort and playing with good communication... That's those are those are almost the two most important things you can get, especially when your defense is based on a pass rush that is attacking, getting after the quarterback. The way mm-hmm. Quiddie played describes it is you're you're in a dark room and you're just running to the quarterback, and the quarterback is almost I guess like the light in there. And that level of effort and intensity that these guys are practicing with to me that that so far has been the story of Kansas. Well, think. you saw
0: it today at the end of practice, a two-minute drill and a four-minute drill, and it's moved the ball and it's it's situation. But the the defense, they hold their own. They, it's hard for the offense to move the ball against this Colts defense in a controlled situational
2: environment. Whoa! Unless you're Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he ripped off like a seventy-yard touchdown run. It was like watching the Patriots game all over again. And you know they're they're in this this two-minute right. drill. And Taylor rips this runoff for what would have been a touchdown. They have to go back to set up a field goal because the drill I think was supposed to end with a field goal. So (laughs) you got Matt Ryan taking a knee, then setting it up with the right hash mark, and then Rodrigo Blankenship, then Jake Verity. I think it was hitting a forty-yard field goal. Yeah, good problem to have when you have a running back like Jonathan (laughs) Taylor. Obviously,
0: the offense is not scheming for the defense, but you get the idea. Defensively. It is hard at times for this offense to get chunk plays against the defense when they're just lining up, playing football, and doing fundamental things.
1: Follow him on Twitter, at Colts, also at JJ Stankovitz on Twitter. I'm going to go to you. we got some camp battles on both sides of the ball. Give me one that you're looking at with a little extra eye on
2: this second week of training camp. So the, the cornerback competition to be that third corner, uh, you know, obviously Kenny and Stephon Gilmore are going to be the one-two there, but man... Brandon Faison and Isaiah Rogers, like every day, those dudes are making plays, and they are they are showing themselves to be really, really solid corners. One of those guys is going to wind up being the three and getting more snaps, especially when you're, you know, that's when you're a nickel. But I think it's it's a competition in that sense. But those two guys are going to be on the field a lot this year. You know, Brandon Faison uh, knows this defense. Mm -hmm. He's he's doing such a good job, kind of coaching it up today. Uh, he had a really impressive uh, breakup in the end zone during 11 Alton on Pierce. 11 on Alec yeah. Pierce. Just kind of swatted. Pierce went up to high point, and he knocked the ball out. Just great instincts, play strength that he has. And then Isaiah Rogers, you know the speed. Yeah. In Sundays practice during one on ones, he was matched up against Naheem Hines. He ran step for step with Naheem, came down with an acrobatic interception. Uh, those two guys are going to play a lot. I love, you know, you always hear this term about how iron sharpens iron and how. You know, when you're at your best and you're playing your best, it's going to push everyone else and you're going to make everyone else better. You're seeing that with the, the wide receivers and the cornerbacks, but I think you're seeing it with Rodgers and Faison. That is iron sharpening iron with two guys at the same position getting better and actually, you know, getting better by competing right. against each other.
0: And you're seeing the same thing with Stephon Gilmore. I mean, anytime he's lined up against Alec Pierce or Paris Campbell or some of these other young up-and-coming receivers that the Colts are banking on for more this upcoming season, man, it's such a advantage for the Colts defense to have a guy like that to really push and to sharpen these receivers and just in terms of the subtle nuances hey how am i lining up is there anything about my body language that's a subtle tell for a veteran like stefan gilmore to, to tip on so uh from that standpoint it, it's so advantageous for the colts and then you know matt ryan after practice talks about hey it's it's great for me because even in practice Stephon gilmore gives me that shadow of a doubt hey do i should i go here with the football because I've got this savvy guy that can interpret things and make a break better than just about anybody in the game, certainly since 2018 when he's so high up there in terms of pro football focus numbers and analytics and, you know, just, just things of that nature. So, you know, Matt Ryan, Frank Reich have all talked about just what Stefan Gilmore brings to the offense and making those guys better in practice ahead of the regular season. I want to touch on the wide receiver position. I want to touch on the left tackle position. But before we get there,
1: J.J. Stankiewicz, Wednesday practice. Practice, Thursday practice, uh, you know, your walkthrough on Friday, you're playing at and you're traveling to Buffalo, the Saturday preseason, first one of the year, this Saturday. What do you expect out of starters week one?
2: So Frank Reich said the plan is you will probably get about a quarter uh, and they might get a little bit more than they have in years past, maybe a series. All starters? It'll be a case-by-case basis to determine who will you not play. You know why play. I'm asking that. You know I why. know why you're asking that. Number 28. That, but. <laughs> Look, I mean. He's not
0: the only one. He's, yeah, <laughs> well, right.
2: The first one on my thing, you know, is like, I'm hey, sure. I, you know, that's just here, what I'm here's, thinking. He, and, and what Frank said is that he wants everyone to expect to play. But here's the thing. If Jonathan Taylor is out there, it, something we've seen out here during practice is that that combination of Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines on the field at the same time. That's been awesome. You're seeing, you're seeing Naheem rip off big runs. You're seeing... Naheem catch passes. You're seeing JT break off big runs, catch chunk passes. You're just seeing these different dimensions of the offense, whether it's Naheem and JT in the backfield. You know, Naheem lined up in the slot, JT in the backfield. There's so many different things you can do with that that force a defense to declare what they want to do on a play, and then you can get a matchup based off of that. All of that being said, you're probably not going to see a whole lot of that in the preseason game because you don't want to put a lot of this stuff on film. You know, some of the more, I guess, proprietary plays that you're going to try to deploy in the regular season so all that being said if Jonathan Taylor plays or not I'm not as worried about it mm-hmm. I mean this dude didn't have a preseason his rookie year I know he started a little bit slow didn't have a preseason last year I think he maybe played a game maybe he got a couple carry carry two against Minnesota I don't even uh, I not even not write, even that yeah, I don't even know about that and look yeah. and then he went out and was the best running back in the NFL right. so does Jonathan Taylor need the preseason? We'll see. But again, Frank Reich said, I want them to prepare like they're going to play in the preseason. A and, and
0: got like Alec Pierce, or like last year uh, in Detroit, we saw Quiddy Pay in yeah. that third game. Mm-hmm. I mean, Quiddy Pay got. I think most of the run in the first half of that third preseason game, which was a little bit of surprise because he was projected as a starter. Mm-hmm. So I think it will be a case by case basis, as, as JJ said. But I will say that I think some of these young, the, the rookie impactful guys like a Jelani Woods or mm-hmm. an Alec Pierce or a Ryan Ogletree. Ogletree, those guys might get a little bit more extended run. Even though they're not quote unquote starters, they are guys the Colts are counting. You know, a significant roll from right out of the gate.
1: mate I, I talked about the wide receiver position a little bit. We got four guys, I think, that are, you know, not the GM here, but you might want to pencil in those top four guys. Could be a battle for two or three slots. Ashton Doolin in that number four slot, I'm saying, because obviously he's making some plays out here, but he's so special on special teams. The other battles for those position spots of the wide receivers, what do you like? What have you seen that you have been uh, encouraged yeah. by and some of the discouraging
0: things? I-, I think if you play a game today, I, I think it's the top four, like you said and then my 5 and 6 assuming you keep 6, I'm going to go with Kiki QT Mm -hmm. and Desmond Patman Mm -hmm. and those guys have been routinely intermixing with the twos. They'll sprinkle in with a little bit of the ones. We saw that today down in the red zone. QT was running with the ones. And again, I go back to, he's he's had time in this league. He has flashed in this league, albeit with the Houston Texans. Mostly against year. the Colts. Mostly, <laughs> all of it against the Colts, right? He has three 100 yard receiving games, all of them against Indianapolis. And But I, I think he adds depth behind Paris Campbell and I think Desmond Patman adds depth behind either uh, Alec uh, Pierce or uh, uh, Michael Pittman. By the way, Michael Pittman Jr. I mean JJ. What do you think based on what we've seen in camp? He's going to catch
2: 90 balls. (laughs) So today, today I'm you know I'm I'm writing down who Matt Ryan completed passes to in uh, in the two minutes, and it's like two to 11, two to 11, two to 16, two to 21, back to two to 11. Love it, and you know another one in there heat. that, I mean, that is becoming a guy who you can see a clear connection with with Matt Ryan. Right. Um, we know what Michael Pittman can do. We saw it last year. You're going to see it again this this year, maybe even, even to a greater extent. But to Mate's point just about Desmond Patman, um, I think some of the ways that they can use him, maybe not necessarily only as the, like, outside ex-big body receiver, uh, he could bring a different dimension to this thing, you know, if he can continue to kind of grow in practice. Mm-hmm. um you know, There's a really great article that Robert Mays wrote on The Athletic uh, just about slot receivers and the growth of that position over the last 10 years where it used to be you, you only thought of Wes Welker as a slot and that body type. But now you're seeing you know, C.D. Lamb and Michael Pittman Jr. at 150 snaps in the slot. Zach Paschal is a 200-something-pound guy in the slot. Desmond Patman could be a guy where if you're an 11 personnel and you need someone to go, go in there and dig out a block in the slot, if he can continue to grow... He could maybe be a guy to do that and earn himself a spot on this team too.
1: Okay, we we'll get uh, any rookies that are. Oh, Matt, yeah. Matt Taylor, I'm talking to you uh, first on this one because the rookie watch has been, uh, you know, we, we got a lot more to get into here because I, I need to get into undrafted free agents and who's going to make the team and whatnot like that. But just your rookie watch, who's been impressive so far?
0: Well, big roles, obviously, from Alec Pierce. Nick Cross is going to play. Nick Cross. I mean, right, good. Right, now, right now, Rodney McLeod, it looks as if he's number two really? on the depth chart. I mean, I know he started the campaign on uh, PUP and he had that slight knee injury coming into camp and he sprinkled in a little bit with the ones primarily towards the end of last week but here again over the weekend and early part of this week, it's it's Cross again back running primarily with the starters. And I'm pleasantly surprised at that because, again, we've talked about this all offseason. It's McLeod who has 10 years experience versus Cross that just has all kinds of upside. And right now the Colts want it baptism by fire. Let's see what you got. And he's communicating well, just like Julian Blackman is in the back end. So I really don't see... You know, a negative downside to if he plays and starts those first two games right out of the gate, which are so important in the AFC South. The Colts like what they have there. Get it all out of your system. Here in training camp, so that way the, the mistakes are minimal when the bullets start flying.
1: Wow, a starting safety as a rookie. Bob Sanders comes up to mind. Antoine, Bethea Antoine comes Antoine Bethay, yeah.
2: Julian Blackman. Yeah, Julian
1: Blackman. Good one. And it could be Nick Cross this year. Talking with J.J. Stankovitz and Matt Taylor uh, right here on Colts Official Podcast, which is brought to you by our friends at WinBet. Other than Nick Cross
2: rookies, who do you like? And I'm, I'm hoping you're going to the offensive side of the ball. So I, I want to save the tight ends for a little bit later because uh, we got a, a mailbag question about them that I kind of want to take into. I love it. Okay but i'm gonna throw eric johnson out there mm-hmm. he's been he, he, he started camp on the nfi list he had a, an injury while training away from the facility but this dude's get off is really good he's quick off the ball for an interior defensive lineman and it, you know I, I think about this where gus bradley said we want to get to eight we want to get to eight pass rushers eight guys who can defensive linemen who can get after the quarterback eric johnson looks like a guy who could be a part of that mix um you know, I, I was walking back during a practice, and Rick Venturi's walking the other way. And, you know, Rick does that thing and he kind of grabs your arm. Yeah, right. He's really, you know, <laughs> I, I got something to tell you. He grabs my arm, and he goes, 93, Johnson. Woo. Really? That dude can play. Yeah. And
0: He had a spin move the other day that was
2: pretty lethal. Yeah. I, I think that that's a guy who his athletic profile was off the charts. He was one of the biggest combine snubs uh, from – the this year's nfl combine i think he got a late invite to the senior bowl Um, but he's a guy the colts are really high in his athleticism in the interior and again if you're you're looking for those guys you're not looking to eric johnson to start this year but if you need him to come off the bench and and rotate in to give a good pass rush to give grover stewart or deforest buckner a blow so then those guys in the fourth quarter they can be as fresh as possible to get after the quarterback That's a really good development that we're sitting here on Mm -hmm. August, what is it, 8th? And talking about that, Eric Johnson has at a pre solid camp so far.
1: Love it. Can we talk some elephants in the room, boys? Please, Let's do they're it.
2: Big. I mean, they're making a, the, the, they're making noise. That's not there, how an right the elephant first elephant is I Jeffrey's mean,
1: here. That's the first that elephant. That is the first one. <laughs> it is. I am the elephant in this room. Uh, I'm gonna go right to. Do we need to play more of our frontline players in the preseason this year, or less? I mean, bottom line, do we need Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor, Quentin Nelson? Do we need Nick Cross back there? Do we need the guys that are going to be Gilmore included, uh, Yannick Ngakwe. How much do they need? How much do you do you guys want to see him play?
2: I think you need a little bit, um, especially if you're a team like the Colts that has not won an opener in nearly a decade. you got to try something. And I think what we heard from Frank Reich is we're going to see the starters out there for a quarter against Buffalo. They're not going to be out there against the Lions because you got the two joint practices. And then they'll go a little bit longer against Tampa in the the preseason finale. But I do think there's something to you just you got to get out there you got to get in live action and if you want to be really ready for the regular season that might be what this team needs you see other teams go different directions you know the Rams never play their guys Justin Herbert probably is never going to take a preseason snap in his life while he's with the Chargers but again you got you got to have a feel for where your team is at Frank Reich has a very good sense a good pulse of what this team is looking to accomplish early in the season and Mm -hmm. how they're feeling right now and i think you'll probably see the starters out there and that'll probably be to their benefit. Matt yep. Taylor,
1: i mean i got to ask you because this is this goes more than just you being an analyst. This you've got to remember some names, my friend, over the course of the next week. <laughs> well,
0: few g- weeks. game 1 and game 3 are going to be <laughs> tough because everybody's going to play. <laughs> and that's 90 guys yeah. plus. 91. It's I mean, not
2: it's not 90, it's 91 cuz Marcel Debo takes up that spot on the roster. How about
0: that?
1: And i'm saying the buffalo game this saturday, you got to know that whole roster, but i'm saying as an analyst side of you, what would you like to see as far as the well, starters go? Well, i think
0: i think JJ's absolutely right. I mean, I mean, it's that old adage, you know, you hear all the time: if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. Well, this is sort of the other way. Like everything needs to be looked at. That's why practice is different this year. It's we're at noon instead of the morning, trying to just shake things up, trying to do anything and everything. Let's examine everything down to the smallest details to see if we can get off the faster starts. And I generally speaking do agree with Rick Venturi who's so adamant about you just can't go from playing a couple of series spread out over three weeks' time, get 20 snaps over a month, and then expect to go play – You know, in Houston where it's hot, obviously in Jacksonville where it's going to be outside smoking hot in mid-September, go from that to playing 70 snaps full speed and expect to A, stay healthy, and B, execute at a high level against a defense that's game-planned against you. So I do think it's situational. I do agree with J.J., but I also think that, you know, Matt Ryan doesn't need to play a a full half. Mm -hmm. But it's a new scheme. It's brand new teammates. It's doing everything for the first time. Then on defense, new scheme under Gus Bradley. And you're trying to get in the the habit of Here's the call from the sideline. Here's how it works. This is how game day is going to feel with everybody involved that's new here as compared to years past. So I do think it's very beneficial for the Colts to play a little bit more and get more time on task. And again, to steal a line from Rick Venturi, be more combat ready to start the season because... Again, everything's looked at. You're 6-11 record-wise dating back to 2017 in the month of September. That includes a 1-4. That wow. includes a 1-5, an 0-3. Oh so, you know, Frank Reich's been here four years. Three out of the four years they've gotten off the slow starts. So I'm not mad at anything that has changed up a little bit differently systematically going into the season to maybe alter that.
2: Here's the other part I want to see in the preseason is is the offensive line playing together as as one. That's something last year, I think it's this underrated – aspect to the preseason. You had that none of that. You had none of that. Yeah. You, I mean, Eric Fisher was on PUP. Right. Quentin Nelson had the Ryan foot Kelly. thing. Ryan Kelly hyperextended his elbow. Right. You had Mark Lewinsky there, and then Braden Smith was in and out. So you had all these moving parts, and it's hard to get that, even if you've played together, like that line had for the most part for three, four years. It's hard to get that feel down, especially with the new quarterback, right. where you know, it's, it's something – I was talking to Matt Ryan about this on Sunday, where – the offensive line needs to know when Matt Ryan has a three, five, seven step drop exactly where that spot's going to be. So they know how, how long to hold their blocks, where they need to put their blocks. And last year, the Colts didn't really have any of that because also, by the way, the quarterback was in and out. So that's something that, I you know, I think you want to see a little bit of that in preseason. Again, just that cohesion, even though Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly have played thousands of snaps together and Brain Smith's been out there quite a bit. Um, You still want to see that cohesion, especially because, I mean, you have two new guys in there, Matt Pryor, Danny Pinter, uh, left guard and right tackle, respectively. So I think that's something you're looking for in the preseason, we're, too. Guys,
1: we're going to get to Jamie Erdahl from the NFL Network here in just a second, but I want to talk about Paris Campbell. Matt, I'll stay with you. What what sort of year is this for the young man? And, and you know, availability is the best ability, obviously. Sure. So we're all holding our breath on it. But, you know, knock on wood, a healthy year. What do we expect out of Paris Campbell this year?
0: Yeah, I mean, you talk about ele- elephants in the room. This is up there. I mean, everybody knows. Paris knows. It's a contract year if he wants to – continue playing football at this level. It's a monster year for him, and everyone's rooting for him, but it's just, certainly you look at the freak things that have happened to him, and everybody says, oh man, this guy can't stay healthy. It's not as if Paris Campbell doesn't take great care of his body and doesn't do the things necessary to have healthy seasons. He's had foot, knee, hernia, you got in a car crash, you got a concussion. I mean, it's not like these are soft tissue things where you can point and say, man, this guy's not in great shape. He's not conditioning himself. It's just freak sucky stuff. I mean, let's just be honest with you. And so... I mean, I, I personally feel like the guy should just go out and buy a lottery ticket because there's no one deserves more good luck. You know, the the odds should be in this guy's favor considering the amount of bad luck he's had. So is this the year for Paris Campbell? We'll find out towards the end of the season. But so far, so good. And you just, again, are rooting so intently for him personally because he's really earned it and, he deserves it.
2: I think that's you, – you really hit the nail on the head there, Maytay. Just that the, These injuries are not due to a lack of preparation or a lack of care for his body. I mean, who catches a 51-yard touchdown and then breaks your foot on it? Yeah. That, that is nothing to do with Paris Campbell's ability to stay healthy and just – that's just terrible, terrible luck. That's it. It's all that it is. And I think so many times people, people on the outside – and, you know, we, we, we're guilty of this sometimes too – just assume all right well he's hurt we'll deal with him when he comes back but like paris campbell has had to go through so much rehab and and so many hours in the training room away from the the team and not being out there and uh the the way that he has approached all of this from a mental standpoint has been really impressive and really commendable uh, and you know you think about you think about him you think about taekwon lewis i just wrote about taekwon on colts.com on Monday. Another guy who, literally, this dude has had some problems staying healthy in his career. Again, not not for a whole lot that he's done. He gets a he, he gets a sack, and then on the next play he gets an interception. And while he's returning it, his patella slips out. Like for that for, the, for those two guys to have those two injuries happen to them last year, it's like both of them playmaking, both of them playmakers, <laughs> I I two mean, second round picks from at Ohio State. Injuries, saying, I mean, yeah. it's it's just that's it it's is. almost unbelievable that that could happen. But um, you love those guys' attitude and how they've approached it. And for Paris, you're seeing it out here, the explosion, the speed, the connection with Matt Ryan that we've talked about a lot here. It's showing up, and you you really hope that it continues to show up going into the regular season. All
1: right, JJ, hold that thought. We are going to get to Jamie Erdow from the NFL Network here. We're also going to talk about... a little bit about the young tight ends coming up. we got a Twitter mailbag. Made Maytay's random thought of the week is coming up. But let's say hello now from co-host of Good Morning Football on the NFL Network. She was formerly the lead sign line reporter for the SEC and March Madness on CBS. Time now to go to Jamie Erdahl
0: from the NFL Network. Enjoy. Matt Taylor, Lara Overton in the Colts Radio Studio, and our guest right now is Jamie Erdahl. She is the host of NFL Network's Emmy Award-winning Good Morning Football. That airs Monday to Friday starting at 7 o'clock Eastern time. You can follow Jamie on Twitter at Jamie Erdahl, E-R-D-A-H-L. Jamie, thanks so much for the time. Let's start first. Congratulations are in order on the new job. Unfortunately, with training camp, haven't been able to see every minute of the show, but it looks like it's going fantastically so far. How has it gone for you being on the air for about three weeks on the show?
3: Well, thank you. Um, it's been an unbelievable transition. I was, uh, I was on the road for 10 years, uh, you know, eight, eight of those at CBS. And it was a great, it was a great 10 years. Um, and I learned a lot of football. I, I was around a lot of great coaches and players and, um, the, the people I worked with at the CBS, the analysts, and the play-by-play guys to be ready for a show like this, you have to do the, that kind of work to be able to come to the table and provide stories and insights and analysts. So I don't think I could have gotten this job without those 10 years. So, um, you know, I I had one gift and then I was given another gift to to take on this job. And it's been an unbelievable first couple of weeks Uh, every day, I just can't believe I have to wake myself up sometimes in the middle of a segment and be like, man, we are in the middle of a segment here. We're not just sitting around talking about, you know, the Colts and and how Ngakwe is, is assimilating himself. And, um, it's just such a pleasant surprise in terms of you know what i had been doing in my career to be able to sit around the table and talk football three hours a day is pretty special.
4: Jamie, it's kind of like when we talk to guys who come out of the SEC and go to the NFL that the transition isn't as great for some of those guys because of the level that you're playing at in college football. And that was your beat. You were on the number one team covering the game of the week for the SEC for so many years. Being that Mm -hmm. you have so much familiarity within that conference, how has that maybe helped your ability to make this leap? And has that always been some Thing that you wanted to do, was the NFL always an aspiration of yours? Because, man, there is that environment of college football that is like nothing else, and it is difficult to leave that. What was the draw for you of a role with a daily morning show? It's a completely different dynamic, really, than anything else in broadcasting.
3: It really is. Um, so to answer the first part, the SEC guys, you know, that is just like NFL training camp. I mean, I mean, the SEC is a is a beast, unlike anything I've ever seen before. Um, I was on the NFL sideline for four years with, with CBS before I went to the SEC. And so um, the preparation for those jobs are very different. You know, the the NFL guys, they're pros. They've been through media training. They're getting paid. You know, and then to go to the college game and talk to these 18, 19, 20-year-old <laughs> guys, some of them are walk on. Some of them are partial scholarships. I mean, the stories are just, they're rich with stories, every broadcast. And then, And then, oh, lo and behold, the football quality in the SEC is unlike anything I'd ever seen before. And then the stadiums and the fandom, it was just the life experience was fantastic, especially a girl from Minnesota. I had no idea what I was walking into in the SEC. Um, But really what I was able to convince my new bosses at the NFL Network was that, like, listen, you look at any roster, I I got eight to ten guys that I was talking to every week on the SEC that's just riddled with guys across the league. Mm -hmm. So. Um, it's really cool to see them now. You know, there's even coaching changes that have happened, like Steve Sarkeesian, I used to walk around the, the Falcons games with him before the game, talk about Matt Ryan, and then he was at Alabama, and now he's at Texas, like, and he's going to coach one of the Mannings. Like, it's just wild how all of these things kind of overlap. But the SEC is truly just a juggernaut in and of itself. That has really helped prepare me to see a lot of these guys again after my four years with them.
0: That's Jamie Erdahl with us, and as Lara said, Jamie, the the show, Good Morning Football, it's it's so well done. And as you know, it's all about synergy. It's all about chemistry with you know the the folks on set, your other co-hosts. How hard has that been to establish? Uh
3: it's li- uh, probably the least most <laughs> difficult thing I've ever done in my life. There you these go. Guys are yeah. Uh, Jason McCourty, like what a what a pro. He retires. And then like three days later, if that, he's got this brand new job. I I look at him sometimes to my left and he's making points. He's calling for video. He's breaking down plays. And the guy has never done more than a week of television in his life. And now he's just cruising through fifteen hours a week of TV like it's like it ain't no thing. It's unbelievable. Peter and Kyle What a wealth of knowledge those two are in a very in very different capacity. No doubt Kyle says some of the most outlandish things, but it's relatable. He is like the everyman fan of football. Mm -hmm. And the way he explains things sometimes, it just it makes me laugh. It like to to tears sometimes. Peter, I can just look at him and I just know he's gonna come up with something that supports essentially anybody's argument. It truly is not to get too into the weeds, but um, when we sit there and I have my earpiece in, like, I, I don't hear the guy's voice in my ears. I hear the producers and I hear the video that we watch, but they do it on purpose because they want us to feel like we're having this conversation, just the four of us at this table. And it and it's it's so fantastic. I just, I cannot believe my luck that I get to be doing this every day.
4: So, not just has this been an incredible past few years for you career wise, but personally too. You're a mom of two. What has this transition been like for your family and taking on a completely new schedule? Because I know for a while you're, as you mentioned, you were on the road for 10 years. So, early on, you were juggling that being a new mom and parenting and all of those things. What has this transition been like for your family going into a completely different uh, role for you professionally?
3: Yeah, it's um. I told my three year old and the fact that she's old enough now to conceptualize this is pretty important statement for her. But I told her I get to put my suitcase away. And that's oh. unbelievable. I mean, they for a long time, they don't know what's up. I was leaving. I was coming. They just kind of were happy when you were there and they didn't realize when you weren't there. And um, my one year old is still kind of in that phase. Uh, but she but my three year old really kind of understood what the suitcase means. So we did um, move from Minnesota to New, to New York and. Um, Lo and behold, my husband's career is also, you know, New York based. So he was coming here a ton. Mm -hmm. And so what this really means for all of us is neither of us have to travel virtually anymore. And that I mean, in this, you know, for we just experienced, we just came off a COVID year, not really traveling a ton, the two of us. And so we have this family dynamic. And then all of a sudden, we're hit the road again. And we're just like ships. Passing in the night, my husband and I would literally pass each other in the airport coming and going on Thursdays. I would be on my way to my football game. He would be coming back from his office. And um, it was not really a sustainable family lifestyle, to be honest. And so this job, for all the great things that it does professionally, personally, um, I get to stay home. I get to put my kids to bed every night. Um, You know, I get to have Thanksgiving at home for the first time in eight years. I mean, it's it's like really really a couple of special things that I'm really looking forward to.
4: I imagine there's probably, though, some pull at some point to have the opportunity to some degree to maybe be on the road should that opportunity present itself. And that's one of the great things I feel like in watching so many people evolve with NFL Network is that you're not just locked into doing one specific thing? There might be an opportunity where you guys do good morning football on the road or something like that. Do you see yourself maybe being able to, if there's an opportunity to do a remote show or do some of those types of things because you do have such strong ties to the live game day type of coverage? Do you feel like that maybe there'll be an opportunity once or twice a season or something that could pull you back to wanting to be back in that environment on a limited maybe capacity?
3: totally um so like the international series those are huge and i would hope that um the nfl network and the relationship they have with those being their games um i would hope maybe traveling mm-hmm. abroad um to put the show on the road in that capacity would be unbelievable and then obviously everyone everyone wants to go and hang out at the super bowl the problem with the super bowl is like these west coast super bowls the show has to be on the air at like 3 a.m. or whatever godforsaken time in in Glendale or in Los Angeles. And so it's like, what guests are you getting? I don't even know if you want that guest that wants to show up for you at 4 a.m.
4: So I don't know if I want to sign (laughs) up Depending on where they were the night before, yeah. Yeah,
3: exactly. (laughs) Like Vegas, maybe you catch somebody on the back end. But, like, you don't want someone, like, waking up for
4: your show at 4 a.m. in Glendale. (laughs) What is your schedule like right now? What is the wake-up call when you're on air at 7 a.m.?
3: Yeah, I wake up at um four forty five. It and I try to say that like it's seven forty five. Like it's just it's not and I get in my car at five. It's really not uh it's not like some heavy lift. I'm blessed with some very gifted hair and makeup people <laughs> when I arrive um, to the studio. And we're on the air at seven. And but you know what? Um I'm home by eleven AM and that I think is just so cool. Um there and we're but we're in the we're in New York City, our studio is, so then Like next week, for example, the guys and I are going to go out to lunch. Like, yeah, we just get to go casually have lunch in New York City after our show. Probably still be home by 1 p.m. Like, Mm -hmm. It's just kind of a crazy life existence. Like Peter and Kyle, this is their norm. But I feel like Jason and I already are like, so the first day the show ends and the guys are like, all right. And uh, now you get to go home, and it's like 9.57 a.m. Oh, my gosh. People can you like,
0: imagine? What? Yeah.
3: You to... <laughs> I know. It's just crazy. It's crazy to think about.
0: I could do that for like three days before I just, you know, passed out. You'd find me in a ditch asleep, yeah. <laughs> right?
3: Yeah. Well, that's that's the beauty of having little kids is, like, I, I just go to bed when they go to bed. So everyone yeah. in my house is asleep yep. by 8.30. I'm just the only one that's awake at 4.45. <laughs>
0: hey, Jamie, you, you've always had opinions. There's no doubt. but But now – you get to voice them. How refreshing is that yeah. now that there's a platform for that for you? because Lara and I we, we've both done sideline reporting for TV and radio, and you know you, you maybe mm-hmm. get in 10% of what you want to talk about throughout the course of a game broadcast. But as you said, now you've got you know two and a half hours, not including the commercials, you know, for dialogue for your opinions. How refreshing has that been for your career?
3: Oh, so refreshing. That's a really good way to put it. Very um it really has created this new this spark that I I feel like I've always had this as a part of my personality to be able to chop it up um when it comes to football, but to be able to put it to good use every day is um is is really really awesome. The, and you guys know like from a sideline perspective, like the worst thing you can hear from your producer is something along the lines of like All right, you have twenty seconds to do this. Wrap it up. Do it in (laughs) fifteen. But if you can do it in fifteen, that'd be great. It's like what? What am I supposed to do with that? Like I have to shave off five seconds before I even start. Like take me five seconds to say Rob Gronkowski. Like how am I supposed (laughs) to like continue on with the story? Um, so just just to have the space, and I honestly had to tell myself. Well in advance of the show is like I get to talk slower. I get to take my time. Like sometimes Kyle and Peter will be going off in their soliloquies and I'm looking at them like, wow, they're eating up a lot of time right now. And it's like, so what? All we have is time. This yeah. is unbelievable. Like I, I've had to retrain
4: my brain a little bit to um, adjust to this newfound freedom called time that's amazing I love that that's like one of the things like you don't take it for granted once you have it you're like oh we can just have this like free-flowing discussion and banter back and forth and all have time to make our points Well, that's what I said to my husband. I was like, they, they've given me the keys to the kingdom. Like, no one's going to be able to shut me up. Like, <laughs> that's it. There's no going back. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Well, one thing that people may not realize is that you mentioned your seasons covering the NFL and you spent some time covering the Indianapolis Colts in that period where you were doing a lot of the NFL prior to the majority of your role being covering the SEC. And on that crew in particular. And one thing I remember, and I'm going to remind you of this, is this was probably, I don't know, maybe 2015, 2016. I was with the CBS affiliate here in Indy. You were in town covering a game here in Indy, and you must have turned on the six o'clock local news and you tweeted to me complimenting me on how good my report on the Colts was and I was like oh my gosh like how sweet how sweet is Jamie Erdahl that one like she's in Indy on assignment and she thinks to one turn on like local CBS let me see what they're doing over here and then takes the time to watch like my like 90 second Friday wrap package which like Fridays are always like it's like oh we need to do a package it's like Friday is like typically unless there's like a major injury and somebody's out it's kind of like you got to create something a little bit. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'd probably gotten back to the station about 3.30 and I had to have it done by about 4.30. And so I'm cranking out this package. But I was like, what a kind human being. So like, I always just thought that oh. was the sweetest thing of you to take notice and then, you know, spend your time and then tweet to me. I always thought that that was just like such a nice, a wonderful kind of thing for you to do. So...
3: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Listen, I I interned in sports departments locally. Like, I have such an appreciation for the daily grind that goes into that craft in particular, which is such a different craft than sidelines, such a different craft than being in a studio. Um, a young woman that I worked with on the SEC just recently took a job in my hometown in Minnesota, and I had dinner with her before I got to leave. And it's it's at the NBC affiliate there. She's new to the sports department, and. I was just so excited for her in this like budding career essentially to be in this big market. But mm-hmm. I'm like, at the, in my head, I'm like, Oh, you're three minutes on the back end of the news <laughs> at 1030 is just going to be so hard. So man, if someone's going to watch you and say like anything besides like, Oh, you should have talked about, you know, the twins instead of the Timberwolves. It's like sometimes you just got to say like, Hey, that was great. I'm glad you did that. I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm, thank you for remembering that. But it's easy enough to just
4: say, like, hey, you're doing a great job because it's a hard job to do sometimes. And I think that people really underestimate. I mean, obviously, it's such a competitive business. It truly is. Like, it, it takes a lot. It's a lot of hard work. You have to be diligent. But I think people don't realize how much of a rapport there is among people within the NFL in every capacity. Like, it truly is, like, such a great, like, support system of people always looking out for you, encouraging you, so much more so than I think that people have this perception that it's, like, The scene in Anchorman when the two local news stations are like dueling back and forth, right? When you're with a team or you're with a network. But you have a connection to the Colts. You were covering Colts Jags in London, and this was a personal connection because you happened to get engaged in London. Tell me about, like, going over, you're in, like, work mode, and then, you know, you're preparing for a game on Sunday, and then you have this, like, major life moment in the middle of all of this in such a cool, incredible place.
3: Yeah, so um, I can't believe this. So I I did three NFL games over there. This was my second one, and it was the fall of 16. And so my, my, my boyfriend at the time came over. So, so weird to say now. Um, and he, I went first, I went like on Tuesday, that game week. And then he came like on Thursday or Friday. And um, he had emailed Greg Gumbel and Trent Green, like in August. Like, what is your, your oh. crew schedule that weekend? And like, when are you meeting with the Jaguars and the Colts? Like he was trying to find a time to like do this like spectacular thing. So, um, He ends up finding this window. Like, I think we met with the Colts in the morning on Saturday. And then we went on this walk in Hyde Park, which is right where we were staying in London. And it took him, like, a three-hour walk. Like, we have not walked that long, like, <laughs> in, our, in our entire eight years together. Like, why we had to walk for three hours. And why I didn't suspect anything was up, like, during the three-hour walk is beyond me. But <laughs> go on this, like, entirely too long of a walk in London. Finally, he finds, like, the back corner of this garden to get down on one knee. But, yeah, he proposes on a Saturday that we have a private. Like, the next people I saw, like, we, we FaceTimed our parents, and then, like, I go to my production meeting, and, like, Greg and Trent had been waiting literally <laughs> oh, the yes. entire weekend yeah. <laughs> for me to get a and, and Greg Gumble is, like, finally, oh, my gosh, like, it was so great. Like, I'm pretty sure we got nothing done during that production meeting, and then I, like, it's, but this is what it becomes, like, the people that you work with in football, like becomes your family. So now, like, the Colts, PR people, like, remember that this happened, and the Jaguars, and, I mean, it's just like that. Was, that is a memory that will never be taken from me. And no. it's just so great. I love it. I love it. It's so fitting for us, too. Like, we have football as a part of our life. So the fact that he came to one of my games to right. propose is just perfect.
0: No, I mean, you're and I heard you talk about that on a, on another podcast with Richard Deich. You know, all those years, you know, doing, uh, you know, March Madness and the SEC on CBS. You know, Brad Nessler and, and Gary became just like your second family as well in that regard.
3: Yeah, they – I am I am closer with those two guys than I think anyone I've worked with. They they yeah. were there. I mean, they were around me through both of my pregnancies, the birth of both of my girls. Mm-hmm. Um, they they have children themselves. I mean, we are incredibly close. We, we you know we went through COVID together, and we know each other like the back of our hands. And and I cannot yeah. credit those two enough with like everything. So much that I've learned from the game of yeah. football and life and how to approach. Um, to do TV the right way and creatively, and make it compelling, and those two changed my life.
0: No doubt about it. Hey, last one before we let you go, and again, you've been so gracious with your time, Jamie Erdahl, with us from Good Morning Football. I'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about the Colts. You're covering the league now, yeah. so you you got your <laughs> your thumbprint there on the Indianapolis Colts. What are you and your co-hosts thinking about the Colts this year in a uh, very crowded AFC conference, if you will?
3: So crowded, man. How, cr- Oh, I cannot believe the AFC this year. Um, we had Yannick Ngakwe on the show uh, last week, and I'm so happy that he has found his way to Indianapolis. It feels like the right fit. I, I, you know, was living in Minnesota when he had his brief stop there and such a talent. Um, but he's, he's just, he's, he's such a great guy. And I just really want to see this pan out well for him with the score, the Colts and with the Colts, um, And Matt Ryan, I think you know it's the Matt Ryan arrival to me when it happened. It was almost like it's like I didn't know I needed it for the Colts. Like when when he when he fit and everything you guys have gone through in terms of your quarterback roller coaster since Andrew Luck retired. um, I think I did Jacoby Brissett's first start. Um, It's just like when Matt, I was like, yes, that's exact. I never didn't even think about it, but that's exactly what the Colts – you guys needed. A steadying force, I think, under center, and I and I think he's still got he still got plenty left in the tank to help yeah. the Colts. And it is, you know, man, your run game. I mean, you're stacked. You're you're strong. Frank Reich like is settled in nicely. It's 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 a good solid team, and and it was, we we're so happy to have Yannick you know, on the show the other day. I'm I'm happy for you guys.
0: No doubt about it. Yep, looking for a good start. Obviously, the Colts, you know, haven't won a. Week one game since 2013, looking for that first uh, AFC South championship uh, since 2014. And there to break it all down on Good Morning Football, Jamie Erdahl. You see her every morning on the NFL Network starting at 7 o'clock. In the morning Eastern time. She's the quarterback at that team. No question. She's everywhere. Thank you. (laughs) On Twitter, at Jamie Erdahl. Jamie, again, thank you so much for the time. I know life's been incredibly crazy for you, so really appreciate it. Continued success, and have a great NFL season coming up.
3: Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me.
1: A big thanks again to Jamie Erdahl for joining us from Good Morning Football. Time now for the Twitter mailbag. JJ, one of your favorite times of the week now. What have we got? And
2: hopefully it involves some tight ends somewhere. It does. At Jake Williams 4 on Twitter answered your wish, Jeffrey. Jake. How many tight ends do you expect the Colts to have on the roster week one? So I'm going to take this question. We can answer what Jake's question was. But let's talk a little bit about what we've seen from this group so far, because it's a really interesting group. A lot of different kinds of players in there. So a lot of young players. Mete. Um, first up, tight ends on the roster in week one. Set at four? Three.
0: Whoa! Three, yeah. Really? Last year, last year was three, right, to start the season. So I, w- I would start at three, maybe four, four tops. Why are you looking at me like I'm crazy? Because well, Drew Ogletree's yeah. at a great camp so I, I, I understand and Jelani it. Woods is I, Jelani Woods. I
1: mean, it's I a mismatch. And then Kyler I, I'm listen, coming I'm off. just saying I mean. they
0: kept three last year. <laughs> four tops.
1: Well,
2: So you,
0: between three or four, I'm hedging my bet.
1: Got to find the guys that can play the specials. Talk, but you're, you're,
0: you're, you're oh, Andrew Ogletree looks as if this is not big at all. I mean, right, the, yeah. this guy was a wide receiver at the University Finley. of Finley. And they didn't. he wanted to switch positions and move to tight end because he's a big dude, naturally. And they didn't even have a tight end's coach, right? <laughs> so then he moves to <laughs> Youngstown State. He plays one year, then he gets drafted. You know, he has this fantastic season. So, yeah, he, he's my biggest surprise in a good way so far in camp because he's intermixing with the first-team offense over a guy like Jelani Woods, mm-hmm. who the Colts took in the third round on, on day two Friday of the draft. And, you know, Frank Reich is really pleasantly surprised with him. He gets it. He's a smart guy. He's got the athletic traits. We're seeing one-handed catches. So if the Colts keep four, he's my fourth. Okay. And, and
2: I, I think it's four just based on what we've seen from Ogletree. But something that Frank Frank Reich said on uh, Saturday or Sunday, whatever he was asked about Drew, is he's played good football. He's shown that it's not too big for him. You still have to show that you can play winning football. There's a difference between just being good and then playing winning football for a team when you're on the 53-man roster. That's not to say that Drew hasn't shown that yet, but that's kind of the thing that you're looking for. So for me, the number one guy I'm looking to watch in these preseason games is Drew Ogletree because I think that will go a long way to answering what Jake's question See, is here.
0: You both looked at me like I was crazy. I know, but I'm going to say Last year it was Jack Doyle, Mo Alley, Cox, and Kylan Granson. They had three tight ends. But they,
2: bra- didn't, they didn't
1: draft another guy. Right. And those two draft choices. That's why we yeah. were looking at you like you had three eyes. But I'm going to say right now, we have three individual but, guys but, that are all the same. Not to me all the same, but they are a starting front line uh, of an NBA team. When you're talking about Mo Alley Cox, Ogletree, and Jelani Woods. And Mo
2: Alley Cox is the short guy, that You're group.
1: right. And now you've got Kylan Grantson, who, Matt, no disrespect, he's your size. I mean, he's a different element, a different size. Do those guys all work together? That Kylan Granson is a different model than right. the other three well, that right. are playing.
2: Because the the in line position, the Y in this offense, that's Mo Alley Cox. That'll probably be Jelani Woods. The F you can envision. That's where that's where Kylan Granson lives. Drew Ogletree could kind of be a guy who could go between those two. Um, obviously, his wide receiver background would probably lend it more to being that kind of flexed out move tight end. But he he said, "Hey, put me wherever you want, as long as I'm on the field and I can go I out just, there and make plays." I
0: don't know if you can keep. Four running backs, six wide receivers, and four tight ends.
2: Well, do you need to keep four running backs?
0: Well, that, that's that's, that's a question. That's my question. Right. And it's you know, going gonna, gonna to so, come. So you keep four running backs but only five receivers, but Hines is your sixth receiver, so to speak. There, uh, there's yeah,
2: that, that, that flexibility that Naheem gives you right. I think gives you a little more flexibility in terms of what this final roster will look like. Just based on, again, like you said, Mayte, he can play wide receiver and he can play running back. So if you need him in either, he can do both.
1: Give me something real quick on Philip Limsey. We know he's been around the NFL, played some good years in Denver. Now he's a cold. What have you liked early out of him? He's J. looked good.
2: He's, yeah. he's shown some burst. You, you see why he was a 1,000-yard rusher. Yep. Uh, some of the offensive lines he ran behind last year in, uh, what was it, Miami and Houston. Houston and Miami. Two of the, the, the lower-graded lower offensive lines two, in the NFL right there. Two and a half
0: yards per carry last year. Yeah, and he, I don't he, think that's on Phillip Lindsay. No, nah,
2: he didn't have much room to operate there. Um, seems like a pretty good fit if you're looking for that kind of Jonathan Taylor insurance yep. back there where you don't expect him you, – you, if all goes well, you probably don't need Philip Lindsay a whole lot this year, but if you do need him, you probably feel pretty good about it.
1: Great stuff. Mayte, it is time now no. for your random question, or excuse me, your random thought of the week. It's JJ. JJ and I are on Bended Ear. Let's
0: have it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you guys have seen on social media, and Gakwe. He's over all it. about uh, community relations, helping, helping the people out here. What a dude. Yeah, he's he's impressive. But he's also been uh, bonding with Colts fans by soliciting advice on new sack dances or go-to moves after getting a, a huge play or a sack late in the game in crunch time. Jeffrey, what would your go-to sack dance be? If I was talented and had athleticism.
1: <laughs> that's and, and first, I, that's <laughs> a
0: big if. And I,
1: and I had to then celebrate me doing something that only a very, very limited few people on earth could do. Uh, Yeah, I think I would go into... Boy, I'd go to old school. I'm older than you guys right now. So I mean, I'd go into a little rock in the cradle, rock in the, you know what I mean? It'd be my just to the left and to the right. It'd be real silent, Yeah, we real need slow. we need video on this, I don't, don't we? Yeah, if you could see the hands moving right now, it'd be quiet. It'd be quiet. It's just like another it's just walk in the park. white guy. It's yeah, just classic yeah. white guy. you know, guy I, in the corner. Yeah, hands, yeah. That middle-aged white guy dance. That's what I kind of would do if I was in my I don't know, maybe. That's pay. what you
0: do do when you I, watch <laughs> the game. You just celebrate that way. Uh. Mm, mm. Lower lower bite. Mm,
1: it wouldn't mm, be mm. it wouldn't be special, but I, I would talk to all the fans though that's what i would be i wouldn't be doing the dance and stuff but i'd be an animated guy kind of a jerk you wouldn't like me if i was on your team <laughs> yeah well
0: <laughs> well i set that one up right yes here. She, yes you did uh, yeah you don't have to change very much on that one come on J- jj jj let's I, see it i, I, I don't, don't have i don't
2: have the hip fluidity <laughs> to play in the nfl let alone to be able to dance at this, all though? i mean no i can't no, even no, do that I can't you even, even move that. shimmy much. No? no i can't even shimmy it's it's <laughs> terrible um so I would honestly, it's not even original, but my favorite sack dance was Willie Young. He played for the Bears. Uh, I think he was on the Lions for a little bit, too. When he would get a sack, he would cast a line and then reel it right. in. Fish. Right. Right. It was great. Right. It, was, it was a great sack celebration. Original. Subtle. But yeah, also quick, like ah, who, does, who doesn't like fishing?
0: In and out, you know. It's great. You go. I love it. There we go.
1: I'm in. I'm all in. Maybe we might have you do that at halftime one time. What what would That's, what yeah. would yours be here?
0: I would go. Jeffrey would probably understand this. Remember the kid and play movies? Oh yeah, yeah. Remember the house party? Sure. The house yeah, party. Where you movies? tap and choose. With yeah, your yeah, partner? yeah. So, uh, yeah you do something well, like that. I, whatever they call that, like the '80s version of the Funky Charleston, or uh, you know, the the kick step. You know, remember they they lock hands? Yeah, I love it. So I like I'd see. have to teach Quitty Pay. That, uh, that that move I think. Either him or Unique Ngakwe. To, it'd be a two person operation. Kid and play, yeah. quitty pay. Quiddy pay. Yeah. pay, kid and play. Well, do it. You might have to run down from the box
1: if he gets it in <laughs> After every sack, I've got hold, him for 12 sacks hold this Hold the year, elevator. So. I mean, Mette's coming down to do it. Guys, that's fun. I enjoy doing that. we got a lot more coming up to cover camp. I want to give you an update of what's coming up on uh, this week on the Colts Audio Network. Daily updates Tuesday through Thursday on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan and the Colts Audio Network inside football. Oh, we love this with Coach Rick Venturi. will drop on Wednesday with an in-depth look at the trenches on both sides of the ball for the Colts. We got camp chats, camp chats rather, with Colts players every day after practice. And on Friday, the Colts happy hour with JMB featuring Frank Reich and players heading into Saturday's preseason opener against the Bills. I can't wait for that, guys. We're going to see you there. All coverage, 93.5 and 107.5. The fan, I'm coming from the rafters out of left field. With Gorman's thought of the week, oh. and I need some help <laughs> I And I need some help, boys, because you know you make me look smarter, but I talk to this guy, I'm not going to tell you who. Then I talk to this lady, I'm not going to tell you who. Yeah. Then I talked. to this a, You're a collage of yeah. stolen then material. I'm, then I'm going to talk to my neighbor <laughs> over here, I'm not going to tell you who, though. But number 57 on this Colts Joe roster. Joe Doman. Yep. Tell me about JoJo Doman <laughs> that people are talking about, and do we possibly get another undrafted
2: free agent this year to make this squad? Former safety, Jojo Doman at Nebraska, dropping down to linebacker. It kind of fits a type in this defense. Last year, Gus Bradley had a similar type of player in Divine Diablo, former safety, turned linebacker, kind of played a hybrid in that defense. There is a path there for a guy like Jojo Doman, Sterling Weatherford, local kid from Cicero up here, home, of, uh, new home of Casey Vallier, sure, Cicero, yeah. Indiana. Um, I think either of those guys have a pretty good shot. Again, you you look at what Gus's defense did last year. You look at some of the plays that they're making out here during camp. You you see a path for them to uh, make it as undrafted free agents. Yeah,
0: and J.J.'s right. I mean, he definitely – Fits a type, and the Colts see this I in like him. It. They prioritize takeaways. The guy had nine forced fumbles in his career at Nebraska, so he started as a safety, moved to linebacker, but then he made plays, got the ball out. I think his forced fumbles are like eighth most in Big Ten history. Wow! So he played a lot, um, and you can see why. I mean, he's he's coming out here. This this scene's not too big for him. And he's, he's an undrafted free agent candidate for sure.
1: That's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. And, again, you can hear him all preseason and regular season long. Can't wait for that. J.J. Stankovitz on Colts.com. Big thanks to Casey Vallier and Lara Overton for helping out. And I appreciate you guys letting me have a random thought, guys, really. I mean, just let me have my foot in the water there a little Please. bit. I was going to go with the Portillo's question, but we're not there yet. Hey, you pronounced it right. Next week, we'll go, I drive by it every day. Now I see the sign. So, But yeah. next week, we got <laughs> right. Portillo's information for you. I enjoy it, guys. Uh, you both are football nerds. Nerds, and I mean that with the best of most love that I can come up with because, as I say again, I'm not shy. I steal most of your stuff we and use you it too. as my own. We love you, too. For J.J. Stankovitz, Matt Taylor, I am Jeffrey Gorman, and our friends at WinBet, this is the Colts' official podcast. Check us out on Colts.com. A lot more information coming at you, and don't forget we got a Friday night leave and a Saturday night opener against the Buffalo Bills preseason game, number one. We'll talk to you next week.